Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Indians coming from behind, winning 7-5 to over the Detroit Tigers and winning the series. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And I told you, I told you this Tiger series was a chance to uh, get some more wins, right? Playing the Tigers twice in a week was a chance to add some wins, get back above 500. Well, the Indians are working their way there uh, with the series win. It was a tough one. And the big storyline on this one, and that's what this show is all about, right? We talk stats, we talk storylines, we talk actual game on the field stuff. And the big storyline to me in this one was the Indians putting themselves in about as deep of a hole as they could and then climbing out of it. I think that the third inning here is clearly the bottom of the barrel for the Indians, and then they just start to work their way back. And uh, Plesak, Plesak had a rough day as the starter on this one. He was going up against Willie Peralta. I couldn't remember how Willie Peralta did against us last time he faced us. I knew we had faced him once more this season. It was all the way back on uh, June 30th. And uh, he actually did okay. He got the win against us and uh, went five innings, three hits, one unearned run, no walks, and five strikeouts. So Willie Peralta actually did really good against us the last time he faced us. This time, it would not end so well for Willie Peralta. Um, and for Plesak, he goes four innings on this one, only gives up two hits, but gives up five runs, four earned, three walks really hurt him and six strikeouts, which isn't a bad strikeout total, plus a big home run. Did give up a big three-run home run in that second inning. That really hurt. Again, put the Indians in a little bit of a hole at that point. I mean, the Indians have scored. The Indians score in three of the first four innings. So the offense was doing its thing, but they just, like I said, kept burying themselves in these holes throughout the game. By the way, that three-run home run, that was brought to you by the walk, right? Brought to you by a walk to Candelario to lead off the inning, a walk to Willie Castro in the second at-bat of the inning. Then after getting two outs and looking like he might get out of it, Derek Hill tags him for a home run that just gets over the 19-foot wall in left field. 99.9 mile-per-hour exit velocity. So, yeah, so... uh, it was a lot of errors. It was a lot of unforced errors. It was a lot of things the Indians were doing to set themselves up for disaster in those first few innings. So those walks are the perfect example of that, right? Completely un- completely avoidable, completely unnecessary, and that's not typical of Zach Plesak, right? He is known for being a guy who just does not give up the walk, and it costs him there. Then in that third inning, after the Indians actually, you know, score a run, you know, make it a three to two game off of an Owen Miller home run, followed by three ground outs, uh, a walk to Jonathan Scope sets up the third inning. Uh, be a line out and then a fielder's choice by Eric Haas. This was the error where they had a chance to turn an inning ending double play. They absolutely had a chance to get out of this third inning right here. And this is actually, I didn't get to listen to a lot of this game. But this is where I got to listen to it a little bit. I was walking the dog and flipped it on. And 
this was the inning I got to listen to, and Hamilton was having a nice little meltdown in this inning because he knew they should have been out of it here. Uh, so Haas hits one to Jose Ramirez. He fires it to Clement at second base, and Clement takes his eyes off it. You know what it was? It was the classic wide receiver who starts looking downfield before they've even caught the ball and then ends up dropping it wide open uh, just because they took their eyes off it. That's exactly what Ernie Clement did here, and Clement would spend the whole game making up for this. He would make a fantastic defensive play late in the game, ranging to his left, spinning and throwing to first. He even caught the final out of the game. I feel like Ernie Clement was spending the whole game trying to make up for a mistake he never makes. So this allows uh, the runners to go to second and third. What does Plesak do on the very first pitch, right? You have a moment, you collect yourself, you say, okay, it's an error, but I can still get out of this thing. I can still limit the damage. What does he do? Very first pitch, wild pitch in the dirt, and both runners move up. Scope comes in to score. Haas goes to second. So it's one of those situations where you just, uh, you're trying to put out fire with fire, right? You're putting a mistake on top of a mistake. You just made this error. You just let that runner get to third. And what do you do on the very first pitch? Wild pitch. Uh, it just, and then Candelario gets a double on uh, a line drive to left field. Frankly, I thought Mer- uh, Oscar Mercado out there in left field took a really bad route on this ball. Really bad route. He started to come in and then peels back his route uh, as he's running towards it. Does it allow Candelario to get to second? Probably. Would he have caught the ball if he had taken a better route? I don't know if he would have caught it, but he at least would have been behind it and probably held Candelaria to a single instead of a double. Haas comes in to score. They would get out of that inning after that. So at least they would get out of it. But then to make matters even worse, after they just scored twice on Willy Peralta, if they had just given up these two runs, made it a three-run deficit, we come up in that third inning against Willie Peralta, and we get absolutely blown away. Um, Willie Peralta strikes out the side against Miles Straw, against the first three batters in the lineup. That's right, Bradley Zimmer was batting second because Ahmed Rosario got the day off, and they keep moving Bradley Zimmer around the lineup. But he gets Miles Straw after on un- all called strikes. On all called strikes. Starts him off on the first pitch on a slider. That was arguably outside, but gets the call. Uh, Hamilton was not happy with the strike zone in this one. Throws him a sinker for a ball. Throws him a splitter up at the letters in the strike zone. Takes it for a strike. Uh, Throws him another slider down and away for a ball. Fouls off a splitter that's down at his shins. And then takes a slider right down the middle for strike three. Strike straw out, takes three strikes looking in that at-bat. Then Bradley Zimmer comes up, throws him a slider, four called strike, right down the middle. Throws him a ball, a ball, throws him a splitter that he fouls off. Where was the location on this splitter? Right down the pipe. So that was the pitch. That was the pitch to hit. And then takes a high fastball at the top of the strike zone, four strike three. So he struck two out looking. Jose Ramirez comes up. Throws, misses with a slider, gets a called strike on a slider on the outside edge, paints with the splitter. I mean, really paints with the splitter. You couldn't throw a ball more perfectly in the lower outside corner than he did with that splitter. Uh, throws him another splitter for a ball low. Throws him a high fastball for a ball. 
And then Hamilton called it. I got to give him credit on this one. He just thrown him two low splitters, throws him a high fastball to take him off it, and then comes right back with the splitter. Hamilton called it, said, I wonder if the splitter is coming on this pitch. Sure enough, Jose Ramirez swings over the top of this one, and Willie Peralta strikes out the side. And as an Indians fan, you had to be thinking, this is not our day. This is not our day. This is not working out uh, the way we saw this finale going against the Tigers. Well, everything would turn around from that point. Uh, Plesak would make it through one more inning and then turn things over to the bullpen, and the bullpen would come in and just be dominant. And the Indians' offense would go to work in that fourth inning. Let's get into that fourth inning. It starts with a Fermil Reyes ground out. But Oscar Mercado would walk to set things up. Once again, the walk setting up a big inning here. That If that's not a theme in this game, if that's not a storyline in this game, if for three innings in a row, the Detroit Tigers in the second, the Detroit Tigers in the third, and now the Indians in the fourth, the walk is setting up an inning. Owen Miller would then reach on an error. They would do the same thing we did, blow a double play opportunity. He would throw wide of second base, and uh, both runners are able to move up to second and third. That would sub it up Andres Jimenez, who all he had to do was hit a sacrifice fly to left field to bring in a run. That felt good to get one run back there. Then Austin Hedges would single on a bloop in the right field. So now we've had a walk, we've had an error, we've had a sack fly, and a bloop. We've now scored two runs. Owen Miller would come in to score. We've scored two runs without really doing much damage here, right? Without hitting a ball hard, we have now brought in two runs. The Detroit Tigers fans have to be just as annoyed as we were uh, to start this game. Ernie Clement, though, does deliver the big hit. It's only 93.2 mile per hour exit velocity, so just touching a hard hit ball. But he shoots it down the left field, uh, not the left field line, but into the left field corner. But Dew rushes over to get it. Austin Hedges was on his horse. And our new third base coach, uh, I, I can't even remember the guy's name. I know Sarbaugh went in to be the bench coach when Francona went to do his surgery, take his medical leave. Uh, So we have a new third base coach out there, and his arm is just wound up and ready to send runners. And uh, Austin Hedges scores from first base. I told you I love watching Austin Hedges chug around the bases. The guy gives 150%, going around those bases. He's just not fast, and he's able to chug in. He's lucky the throw comes in from the cutoff man wide of the plate. It pulls the catcher off the plate, and Hedges slides in headfirst to score the tying run. Ernie Clement ends up on third. It's a huge inning for the Indians to tie things up. And like I said, from there, the bullpen is absolutely freaking dominant. Trevor Steffen goes an inning and a third, a walk and a strikeout, but zero hits, zero runs. Uh, Sandlin comes in, does give up a hit, but no runs. Two strikeouts from Sandlin in two-thirds of an inning, finishing off that Trevor Steffen inning. Brian Shaw comes in, does give up a hit, but I think he gave up a double there, but a strikeout does get out of it. Karinczak dominant in the eighth inning, clean inning with a strikeout. Classe does give up a hit in the ninth, but shuts him down, strikeout, and gets a pop out to end the game and get his 16th save. So the bullpen was just locked in. And the Indians, in a tie game, in the seventh inning, 
the hero moment goes to Bradley Zimmer. And I know that all of you Indians fans out there are probably like, I know you hate Bradley Zimmer. I know there's probably a small pocket of you that love Bradley Zimmer. And there's a large, loud majority that really don't like Bradley Zimmer. But him and Oscar Mercado are kind of doing just enough so that you can't be sure if they belong in this outfield or not. Mercado took a bad route to the ball. He actually had a really bad day. His At the plate, he was uh, 0 for 3. He did score a run. He did reach on that walk. His batting average is down to 228 with a 663 OPS. So Mercado and Bradley Zimmer, their batting average and their OPS is just keep bouncing back and forth across each other, right? Mercado was up around a 700 OPS just a few days ago, it felt like. Obviously, they've had smaller sample sizes than some of these other players on this team. They came up midseason, but it's really hard to decide if either of these two belong on this roster moving forward, and that's what this season is supposed to be about. But Bradley Zimmer delivers here, and he had himself a really good day hitting second. He's got his average up to 247. He's up to a 698 OPS. So after Miles Straw singles uh, to uh, not lead off the inning, um, actually, Ernie Clement led off the inning and then was caught stealing. So facing Erasmo Ramirez, who, according to the uh, Tigers beat writers who were tweeting out during the game, if you look at the Bleacher Report feed uh, of the game, apparently Ramirez, for the Tigers, has been pitching really well over like his last 10 innings. Um, so this was a little bit of a shock to them. Erasmo Ramirez decides to attack Bradley Zimmer with all cutters. Throws him one that he misses off the inside edge of the plate for a ball. Throws him one high that's a swinging strike. Throws him one more right at the belt inside. And Bradley Zimmer finally turns on it. Gets those hands through. Instead of a big looping swing, he gets those hands through. Takes the inside pitch. Hits at 103.2 mile per hour exit velocity. 27 degree launch angle, 413 feet to the seats and right center for a game winning home run. What would eventually be the game winning home run? It's his third homer on the season, and at least it shows some growth from Bradley Zimmer here, realizing what Ramirez was doing to him and uh, being able to handle that cutter on the inside and drive it out. And it's not like he's an all cutter or nothing pitcher. He's no uh, Brian Shaw, who, by the way, continues to just throw the cutter. We talked about this, Brian Shaw. You have other pitches, and that's what made you effective at the beginning of the season. He threw 11 cutters, one changeup, and one slider. Although the cutter did have a 36% CSW on the day. But anyways, we're talking about Erasmus Ramirez versus Bradley Zimmer. And Ramirez is not that kind of guy. He actually threw the sinker more on the day, threw the sinker 11 times, the cutter 10, and the changeup twice. Um, yeah, so he just happened to decide it would take, maybe that's his thing against lefties. He throws the cutter against lefties and the sinker against righties. I don't know, but he attacks Bradley Zimmer with that cutter and pays for it. So Bradley Zimmer, when you get the big home run in late in the game to put your team ahead, to give your team the win, I got to give you MVP for the day. He goes two for five on the day. A double and a home run, so really boosting that slugging percentage, really boosting that OPS. Two RBIs and a run scored. He did strike out once. It's a good, good day 
for Bradley Zimmer. I'm caught between good and great. I don't know. Would you call it a great day? I guess if you hit that game-winning home run, it doesn't matter what happens before. It's a great day. You're sitting at your locker having a great day after the game. So good job from Bradley Zimmer. Uh, The pitching, getting into the pitching a little more, because we always like to kind of tell you what the pitchers did. Plesak threw a ton of fastballs. Uh, He was not completely struggling to throw strikes, but he could have done better on... uh, where is it? 84 pitches, 48 strikes. So it is a little bit more than 50% strikes, but eh, it could have been better. 84 pitches, 48 strikes, eh. 45 fastballs, really leaning on the fastball. Now they swung 24 times. He only got four whiffs on that fastball. Six called strikes. It's good for a 22% CSW, but they fouled off 14 of them. Only put six in play. On 45. So when you add in the foul balls, it actually makes it a pretty good day for his four seam fastball. The changeup was working for him when it was down. This is one thing about Bradley Zimmer, or about Zach Plesak. It's only a 13% CSW on his changeup. He got two whiffs. Both of those whiffs were strike three. However, the three run home run he allowed was a changeup that was up. It was a changeup that was up at the letters as opposed to two changeups that were down at the bottom of the zone or below the zone that he got them to swing over. That is the big difference on the changeup right there. It's got to be down. Uh, Maybe you can get away early in the count with sneaking one over high, but when you're going for strike three, you got to get it down or you're going to give up three run home runs. So that hurt Plesak. His best pitch on the day was a slider. Seven swings, four whiffs, two called strikes. It's good for a 40% CSW on his slider, which he only threw 15 times. Um, for Trevor Steffen, working that hard fastball, the CSW numbers aren't great for any of the relievers, really. Um, 22% CSW for Trevor Steffen. For Sandlin, it's only a 29%. Uh, he did. They did not put his slider in play, though, so that was big for him. Uh, they were put his, they did put a sinker in play once, but his slider they weren't putting in play. In fact, let's take a look at how Sandlin got his two strikeouts. I'm guessing it was probably the slider. Uh, going over to the Illustrator here, going over to the Results tab, uh, Sandlin got both of his... Oh, one was on a four-seam fastball on the outside edge to Derek Hill, a 95.9 mile-per-hour outside fastball that he gets for a called strike three and then got Zach Short swinging at that slider outside on a 2-2 count. So great job by Nick Sandlin. I am loving Sandlin out of the bullpen here. Um, Just really, really solid stuff this season from him. Uh, The rest of the pitchers next would be Brian Shaw. I told you we'd go all cutters. Um, Karen Check did pretty good in his inning of relief. Um, not huge CSW numbers here from him, but pretty good. I mean, he did have a strikeout and a clean inning. And Classe mixing the cutter and the slider very nicely now. Ten cutters, four sliders. Uh, technically, the slider had a 50% CSW, but hey, he only threw it four times. Uh, so yeah, so a good day from him. One strikeout for him as well. So it's a really great job of the bullpen of really locking down this game once the Indians started to make their comeback, right? Once the Indians started to climb back into this game, claw, scratch, fight their way back into this game, 
the bullpen recognized it and went to work. So I feel like the bullpen as a whole, maybe not MVP for the day, but definitely deserves a pat on the back, right? Uh, Last thing I want to talk about here, last stat I want to get into, I just think this is funny. The top exit velocities on the day. I told you a few days ago that Baseball Savant loves putting top exit velocities, top five distances, top five pitch velocities, and swings and misses. Uh, The top exit velocities on the day. Ready for this? Ernie Clement leads the day at 105.4. Bradley Zimmer was second at 103.2. Then a Tigers player, Griner, and then Miles Straw was fourth on the day at 102.7. If I told you that Ernie Clement, Bradley Zimmer, and Miles Straw would have the top exit velocities on the day, you would not believe me, right? In a lineup that includes Jose Ramirez, that includes Fermil Reyes, it doesn't have Harold Ramirez. We know he's a hard-hit machine uh, in the lineup yesterday. You would never believe me that Clement, Zimmer, and Straw were those top exit velocity guys. Top distances on the day, Bradley Zimmer, Derek Hill for the Tigers, uh, and then Owen Miller, Bradley Zimmer, and then Oscar Mercado, right? You wouldn't believe that. I think that's just funny that the guys you didn't think were going to do it, right, came up big. I thought Ernie Clement, after he had that, error actually came up really big. I mean, it was his double that scored the game tying run, scored Austin Hedges. He was two for four on the day with an RBI and that double. So a really good day for Ernie Clement, who's got his average up to 247, has his OPS at 591. He's not going to be a power guy, but he could be a guy that really is an effective utility guy for the Indians right now. Um, I don't know if he's the second baseman of the future or anything like that, but could be a really good utility guy for the Cleveland Indians moving forward. Someone compared him to a young Micah Vilas because he could just play everywhere. And that's not a bad comp. Uh, So, yeah, so Ernie Clement, I was actually considering, uh, you know, maybe not MVP for the day, but definitely an honorable mention, especially because he made up for that error with a spectacular play ranging to his left. So it's a good win for the Indians. And they got to feel pretty good now. Coming out of the Tigers series, getting a series win, they go on now to face the uh, Cincinnati Reds in a makeup game. That's a 6-10 start. It's going to be Henches starting against Castillo for Cincinnati. And I just don't understand this move. The last few times Henches has started, he has struggled. And coming out of the bullpen, he was actually pretty effective in his last two starts. Why wouldn't you go with an opener in this situation? Why force, you know, why force uh, Henches to start when you could go with Garza as an opener? You could, I mean, Trevor Steffen would have been an interesting choice, but you just used a lot of him here today. In fact, you used a lot of your bullpen here today, which is going to make tomorrow tough. It's going to make... The next week tough because there's no off days. So you're really going to need someone to step up. Now, I I haven't got an official word on this yet, but it looks like we're calling up a young uh, relief pitcher who started in double A this season. And he's going to be called up to the majors. It looks like for this game. And uh, they're promoting left-handed pitcher Francisco Perez from AAA. This is according to at Cleveland Futures on Twitter uh, and Indians Pro. Um, he's been dominant at both AA and AAA levels this season. This is the Cleveland Futures tweet. 
At Akron, he was 3-0 with a 0.67 ERA, 27 innings pitched, only 8 hits, only 2 earned runs, 46 strikeouts, and a 0.91 average against. In Columbus, he was 1-0 with a 1.96 ERA, an 18 innings pitch, 18 and a third, only 13 hits, 4 and runs, 25 Ks, and a 194 average against. Obviously, things get a little tougher when you move up levels, and apparently he is coming up uh, for this bullpen game. He, I think he started the season as a starter, but they quickly moved him into a relief role. So look for that guy. Look for Perez to make his debut probably in this bullpen game. And But yeah, Henches as a starter, he's facing the top of the lineup. You know, as if you went with an opener, they talked about being flexible with their pitching. They talked about trying some things. They haven't tried it. They just haven't tried it. Phil Maton was the guy who was being used as that opener. But now with him gone, uh, or I shouldn't say the opener, he was the guy used as the Swiss Army knife. They would plug him in wherever they needed to plug him in. But with him gone, you know, who is that Swiss Army Knife pitcher that can pitch in any situation? You know, you can go with Blake Parker. He didn't pitch yesterday. Uh, you could go with Nick Wickren as that opener. You can go with Justin Garza as that opener. I just feel like you're not setting Henches up for success by throwing him out there to start the game when he's been doing pretty good in a relief role. So... We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see. Maybe Henches can hang in there and give three good innings and then turn things over to Perez, turn things over to Blake, you know, to Parker, turn things over to Garza, who's done good in a little bit of a long relief role. So it's going to be an interesting game against the Reds. The Indians have a chance to get back to 500. Uh, we can still make this season, you know, a serviceable season, a winning season. Uh, we got to put in the work, though right now as uh you know we grind through the month of august before that home stretch in september we got some winnable teams we're fa- you know winnable games you know beatable teams that we're facing this month so that's all my thoughts thanks for joining me on this cleveland baseball morning again the final from cleveland it's the indians coming back seven to five over the tigers you can follow me on twitter at davy barris you can email the show, clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. If you want to call in, anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings. You can leave a voicemail for the show, just like your regular radio call-in shows. We'll discuss your thoughts on the air, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst fans. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.